Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash portland On this episode of the podcast, we are honored to welcome Bernard and Eric with Citizens Climate Lobby. And we met these folks at Dorchester several weeks ago, and not usually a place you find climate activists. And so we ended up talking with them, having a conversation, and uh, invited them to come on the podcast, or more they reached out to us, I think. So any, anyway, which whoever invited who, it's, uh, we appreciate it and we're glad to be here. So um, why don't you guys take a couple minutes to introduce yourselves, how you got here, why you're uh, doing what you're doing. Okay. Start with you, Bernard. So yeah, I'll go first. So Bernard Seeger uh, grew up in Texas, but been in Oregon since 2007. I love it here. I'm a big mountain guy. I love waking up and seeing Mount Hood. And we don't have that in East Texas. We don't have snow. And then, frankly, it's geographically like very, you know, uninspiring. So uh, that brought me out to Oregon. Um, my career path, I uh, was in the Army for eight years, and then I did local government for 18. I, my last job was the finance director in Gresham. And, uh, you know, never got married, had kids. So I could, I had enough money when I was 51 to semi retire. And so I stopped working and I thought, you know, what do I really want to do? And I want to work on climate. And so I, I looked around and said, who can best facilitate that? And um, I've always been a believer in bipartisan legislation. And I was driving around and listened to a, a NPR and they had Secretary Baker interviewing his effort to get a, a, a tax on carbon. And I learned more about his organization, and they're very much. They, there's a, a group called uh, the uh, Council. Oh, it's a Climate Leadership Council. And it's all former Republican uh, officials like Hank Paulson, mm-hmm. Baker, uh, former Schultz. Uh, very smart, bright guys that I have a lot of uh, respect for. Trying to get a carbon fee and dividend at the national level, and I thought, you know, this is what I need to do. But they're not actually lobbying for the legislation. And then, lo and behold, there's an organization called Citizen Climate who very much lobbies their members of Congress all year long to pass legislation to address climate change. I'm like, that's my game. Cool. cool. So I, I joined them in 2019. And, you know, as much as I've enjoyed that, it does, it's not 24-7 for me, so... I've actually shifted and I'm going back to school to study forestry. Wow. And uh, I'm going to get a forestry science degree and then uh, work on the climate aspect from there. I'm going to continue to volunteer with, with Citizens Climate Law because we need to get the emissions down, but we all need, also need to protect our forests. Sure. So I want to participate kind of in both paths. Got it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm Eric Means. I've been a member of CCL for about 10 years. I'm a few years from retirement still. I've been, I make my living in the computer chip design business. So I'm an engineer. And I, uh, about 10 years ago, my daughter and I were going to attend a speech downtown Portland from the World Affairs Council. These have these big shot speakers come around. And the speaker had canceled, he got sick, and they put a last minute sub in. And Bernard, I can't remember his name. Who's the NOAA scientist, NASA scientist? Uh, Hanson. James Hanson. Oh, the hockey hmm. stick graph. The hockey stick, James Hanson. No, that was, that was, uh, that's, that that's was man. That's that was man. There it is. Oh. Okay. James Penn Hansen. State guy. My, my dad went to Penn State. Okay. James Hanson. I had read about him. I'd followed the climate debate some. By the way, I've, I've remained a registered Republican in the state of Oregon, have been oh, for years. Oh, years. Wow. All right then. <laughs> and so I, uh, I'd followed, I'd seen, I remember Margaret Thatcher distinctly giving her teeth, 1988, talking about we got to get this thing under control. And it's beginning to, 
it was beginning to dawn on me, like, what's the, what's the big issue? Why isn't this so obvious? It's kind of obvious to everybody. Why are we dragging our feet? But I understand there's some nuts out there about it. So I went to see James Hansen talk. I, okay, this guy, I knew he had been chained to the White House fence, I think, in protest. I thought, let me go see what a climate nutcase looks like. <laughs> and I went out there and listened to him. And after an hour of his speech, I thought, if, Matt, if that man's a nutcase, then sign me up in the same kook farm. <laughs> because he spoke so much sense. One thing that leapt, leapt out at me was his embracing. If you're serious about climate change, you better get on nuclear with both feet forward. Absolutely, yeah. And Couldn't the numbers just more. flat out don't add up without it. And I thought somebody's speaking the truth here. I love this. And we walked out of the place. And I suddenly realized this guy's not a nutcase. This is a... And I came out and there was a short lady handing out flyers and it was Tamara. Oh, why? The Citizens Climate Lobby. I thought, well, for crying out loud, I better look these guys up. All right. And I have never done anything like this my whole life. I'm not a political activist, never been involved in hmm. anything. But it was so... The break... The the. the schism the chasm between what that natural scientists are coming up telling us what we had to do and how the politics particularly Policy. my party was reacting mm -hmm. the opposite direction i thought this is crazy this is totally crazy and that's what finally got me off my butt to come out and try and do something as a ground zero ground level no clout engineer what can I do? Well, so that's a, that's always one of my favorite stories because the you see people jump into politics and it's like, oh, I, you know, I got elected to a city council and I'm a state representative and now I'm running for Congress and now I'm running for governor or whatever. And they just pitch themselves on these glide paths. The, the best people to be involved in public policy are the ones who just said, look. My kid's school was failing them and, uh, you know, the, the bully never st stopped beating them up or whatever. It just, you know, this, this, there's a pothole on Main Street that just never got fixed or there's a four way stop sign should only be a two way, you know, whatever, whatever it is, just this rabid passion about some very, uh, in that case, small, in your case, global issue, but just this passion about this one thing where it's just like, Hey, we, we, I need to get off the sidelines and go get myself involved in this one. And that we've, we've always had a couple of your story. James is very similar. You just, well, Donald Trump got nominated and James was just like, Whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. <laughs> grew, grew up conservative Christian, you know, very much traditional, I mean, and, and traditional Christian. And, uh, when Donald Trump was nominated, that was the thing that got me involved. Cause I was like, I cannot, stand this guy cannot handle that this is the guy we picked to be our representative and so um yeah that was my that was my moment mm -hmm. so um about ccl at your i believe your sign at dorchester said something about your you're the climatist climate um activists who who are pro-nuclear right. um is there anything else i mean what what are other things that would kind of differentiate you all from like the greta thunbergs and aocs of the world we got a couple big ones yeah <laughs> Yeah, you want to go? I mean, Let's start with the first one. We're built first and foremost around a carbon tax. Okay. And that is a basic flat out faith, statement of faith in the market. That the way you make this thing happen, make it work, is get the free market behind fixing climate change. You don't do it with the, with the power plan or dictates or tweaking hmm. this industry or subsidize that one. You make it cost. And once you get the market behind it, that's when you're going to get things happening. Mm hmm. That's the, that's the big one. A, a carbon tax that increases, not a tiny little one, but increases year by year, gradually. It makes, brings, uh, brings real, that can bring power. Secondly, is that that money, it'll eventually be a lot of money raising this thing. And that money comes, that's, a, that's out of people's pockets. Mm -hmm. But that money comes back to individuals. It's like very similar to what they have in Alaska Development Fund. There's 25% of their state income goes to citizens. Yeah. Goes, comes back. It's about two grand a year, something like comes back. It'll be a lot more than that for most people. So it'll protect most people. Actually, the, the bottom 60% of the population of households will be will be roughly insulated by getting that money, getting money They'll back. They'll be to net them. positive. They'll yeah. get more money every month they spend they as spend a result of the... their increased energy from the carbon tax. Okay. The, Are you guys familiar with that a, a little or is that well, you something just, we need you to just, talk yeah. about? Yeah. So, I mean, cap and trade was a big thing here in Oregon a couple mm -hmm. years ago. And I believe most of the cap and trade ideas were then implemented by executive order. And so, despite the walkout that prevented it from happening. But anyway, it was kind of the idea was not just taxing carbon, but you prevent you create these carbon credits that then can be sold and exchanged right. and of course you need a giant bureaucracy to handle to all of the carbon it. to manage right. it yeah. and all those people need pensions and all those people need you know i mean it's just so yep. it was, it was yep. exactly it was more less of about in my opinion less about uh climate and more about growing the 
coffers yep. of the state government. As a Republican, but, I found it. Go, you got to be kidding me with yeah. my reaction to it. You yeah. know, I, the cap and trade. The, what's it called? Not cap and trade. The, when you buy the credits and sell it, the marketplace. Marketplace. The, that yeah. kind of that kind yeah, of market. Yeah. I love the expression. Someone said it's like it's like a fat guy trying to lose weight by paying a skinny guy to go, go ride a bicycle for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that, that's kind of roundabout. Right. Sort of like. So you're it. talking about carbon offsets. Uh, yeah, that kind and of I thing. take issue with that. We don't have to talk about that yeah. right now. We can <laughs> yeah. get into it if you want. But, but the uh, third leg, the third part. Yeah, the third, I got to bring this up because the third part was carbon tax, give the money back, and then border adjustments. And this is where why we're talking. We're sitting here in the state of Oregon, but the really real issue was way way bigger in Oregon, and why I, I don't I don't really give a hoot about what Oregon does for laws because it doesn't matter. What matters is it happens at the fat federal level. Because borders is what matters. And how, if you, if, I used to think that the border adjustment, that is a tariff, essentially. If we import steel yeah. or cars from another country that doesn't have any carbon tax, well, that money gets uh, added to the pool that we add a tax on it. The money gets to the pot that goes out to individual households. I used to think that was the nice half, nice on the side. Well, that's kind of nice. My thinking is reverse 180 degrees. It has to be. It, because... We are it's becoming necessary. a footnote, the United States, in the carbon production. It is other countries. Principally, come on, it's China. Yeah. And this is the only mechanism. We can do. We can go carbon zero in the United States. It's really not going to be that effective. And this is the only mechanism that we can do to, to, to affect China, hit them in the pocketbook. I wouldn't bet against China. I, I, bet, I bet they'd fix it. They'd say, well, we got to do this. We got to cut down our carbon emissions to compete in the world. I said so they're probably going to do it. But... They're not going to do it by treaty or anything else. It's only by something like a carbon tax. Well, so you'd so, have to you'd have to get the other countries on board because I mean, even though America is the largest economy, there's still a lot of other economies out there that I mean, China's getting real close with Russia now that everybody else is upset at Russia. Um, you know, they're they're building in Africa, they're building in India. Do you think that right? So China would just do business with other people. So my understanding is um, you. You, if you if you can establish the, the the carbon fee, then anybody who trades with us again and wants to bring in their good, we're at a competitive disadvantage unless they also have that right. carbon fee. Right. And um, you know, the idea that China is just going to shut down their American market, I just think is not very realistic. Um, as much as we're we're trying to de-risk, you know, they're not calling it, you know, is a decouple. It's like de-risking, yeah. right? Right. Uh, there's there, under that is an acknowledgement that China is an incredibly important trading partner. And I, you know, you walk into a Walmart or a Home Depot, you see that, you know, everything there is is, is made out there. Well, I don't think that they are going to just shut it off at the tap. I think it'll be more of a, a slow, gradual thing. You know, I mean, they're going to, they're going to look at the cost benefit. They're going to say, I can sell this widget, you know, for X amount of money in the United States with the tariff, or I can sell it for Y amount in India. Right. And if that, yeah. if that calculus gets to the point where they're maximizing their, their value by selling to India, they're going to sell to India. Yeah. Well, and that's not going to be the same for every single widget. And so we're still going to get stuff over here, but I think it'll be, yeah, it's not an on off. It's a, it's a, slider it's gradual one other thing to keep in mind is that the eu has already passed a carbon tax yeah and their border carbon adjustment is going to affect in 24 so this is coming this is you know and we're gonna have to pay a tariff to the eu if we don't get you know our act together um so if you get the eu and america with a carbon tax and a border adjustment i'd like to think the world's going to eventually come around and there'll be a tremendous incentive to to continue the trade, you know, uh, uh, status with the you know two largest trading blocks in the world. You know, interesting. I like uh, that. Well, and so I, honestly, you kind of preempted one of the things I was going to bring up because I like we one of the other guys we'd had on this show was now a, a state representative who's a Democrat, and he said I want to lower the voting age to sixteen for local Tiger Twalton school board elections, right. which is uh, this is something that you've seen in in Democratic circles get atten some attention nationally. But with this type of policy, you don't ever just bring a bill to Congress and just say, we need to vote, lower the voting age to 16. You've, you've done it in some local jurisdiction for some C league race. And then it gets up to a, uh, to the state representative level. And then it goes to the statewide level where everybody at the state can vote at age 16 for whatever, whoever's running it. And then it goes to the national level. In, in your case, you're going to be a lot less concerned about what, 
necessarily the state of Oregon does. And is this approach too blue? Is this approach too red? Is this approach too grandiose and virtue signaling? Is this approach too, you know, friendly to corporations or whatever? Because your issue is, is global in nature. It, 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 in a sense, it doesn't matter what Oregon does. You, you kind of need the whole world to, to, to get in lockstep. Right. And, and I couldn't agree with you more, Eric, that it, it, it involves going and ensuring that there is a, some kind of penalty for, I mean, China and India are, India is about to pass, I think this year, India is going to pass China as the largest country in the world. But the two of them together are, it's a, th- third of the world a fourth of the world something like that it's there's a not quite that much but there's there's a lot of folks there and they don't have the same a cares that we do about climate change or b the same luxury to have the cares about we do they they're still trying to play catch up from the the Mm -hmm. time that they missed out on all the growth that we had yeah if there is i'd like to think that china kind of falls in line with the ukraine situation i like to think that China kind of falls in line with Uyghur Muslims in the western part of the country. I'd like to think that China doesn't ever consider invading Taiwan. None of those things is is a given, though. And I, I'd be curious if there, if we are looking at this from a thirty thousand foot view, is there any kind of mechanism if, if, for lack of a better term, if China doesn't want to play ball? Well, my understanding is that if they refuse to, you know. Uh, uh, properly acknowledge their carbon footprints for their their their, their primary goods that the carbon intensive goods then we can take them to the wto is that what you're asking so i uh, yes absolutely that's that's kind of thing that i'd be curious to know what kind of what kind of teeth have we got if right. we kind of commit yeah. ourselves to this yeah. path yeah and it doesn't we don't have the same i guess reciprocity might be an appropriate term but so in that case, that's is this the best line of defense? Is is WTO and yeah, you file that that, and- that then then you get you know you can penal- do penalty tariffs you know unless they comply. Uh, you know one of the things that if I could on China, I I, I read a lot of social media and, and I'm a climate advocate. You know not only with CCL but I try to engage folks on social media who may be misinformed or you know in my my opinion may be hard-headed on this. And I often see, you know, well, w- w- it doesn't matter if America does because China is just going to, you know, over-pollute us. And, and I like, and in a recent exchange, I said, look, you know, China is doing something about it. I said, I said, China is, has more nuclear plants under construction than anywhere in the world. Their, their solar installation is greater than anywhere in the world. They do care about this issue. Are they still the number one polluter? Absolutely. Are they doing something? Absolutely. Hmm. So, you know, and I, and I will argue that uh, India. I mean, right now they're they're experiencing extraordinary heat waves. You know, it's like forty five degrees Celsius in Delhi, which is like one hundred and nineteen. Yeah. It's really hot. They know that that we have to get emissions under control, and that's the, the beauty of this challenge. Is like you're gonna feel it. You can try to ignore it. But it's not going to let you ignore it, you know. And so there's going to be a lot of, I think, political will and interest in stepping up to reducing emissions. Um, if I could say one thing on about our sign, and to be clear, we have a lot of left of center volunteers with CCL. <laughs> sure. So we wrestled. It was like, what was our big banner going to say? And I said, and again, as someone who watches a lot of social media, the left gets beat up on nuclear all the time. It's like, and we, we acknowledge we're okay with nuclear. That's what it actually said, not pro-nuclear. <laughs> Didn't it say we jump up and down about nuclear? I thought that's what it said. <laughs> well, and, that's- and, and, and here's the point there. You know, if you put a price on carbon, how you get energy to the, the, the consumer and the commercial industry, we don't care as long as you're acknowledging that price. And you know what's going to happen? Nuclear will flourish. With the price on carbon. Well, not in, gas, not in Oregon because it's illegal in Oregon. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty funny. Well, considering. <laughs> we need to work on that. We need so, to work I mean, on that's, that. That's well, the big no, thing. Agree. I mean, nuclear, sorry to interrupt, but it, it, nuclear is illegal in Oregon. And that's despite the fact that we me. are. I didn't know that. That's yeah, insane. the fact that we yeah. have New Scale here who is developing right. these modular Some nuclear reactors, in, 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 which is, yeah, incredible. Um, in Germany, they shut. they were shutting down all their nuclear power plants. 
until their their uh, line to Russia, their nu- their gas line got to no- Russia got yeah, shut down, and now too, they and now, yeah. now they flipped back on all their coal power plants. Yep. Very um, irrational. Everybody, <laughs> they could not come on our show. <laughs> no, they would not be okay on this <laughs> rational show. There is a huge push internationally against nuclear. Like, what do we do about that? Yeah, I mean, because it, it, it doesn't a, make sense. You cannot do this without nuclear. I mean, everybody talks about wind and solar. Wind and solar are, are fine, but they're not persistent. There's times when the wind doesn't blow. Right. There's times when the right. sun doesn't shine. Yeah. So you either need to have giant batteries to store all this energy for when the sun doesn't shine, or you need to have basically double your capacity. You need to spread it out so that it's around the globe. So Correct. Like, yeah. There's so many other problems with with that, and it's it's not persistent nuclear is persistent just like fossil right. fuels are right it really is the only way to get green energy to everybody all the t- with with 100 percent uptime yeah my, short of building yep. a, ju- a gazillion yeah. batteries no argument here but just kind of from a policy perspective ccl we're agnostic on the solutions we just want emissions to come down okay how whatever energy source would will, will bring down emissions that's what we want because we know that's what drives these 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 climate problems. And that's that's one of the beauties of the, of the carbon tax. Yeah. We don't. What like bugs me about like the IRA and they went through they 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 identified exact industries they're going to help or hinder mm-hmm. the, the solutions that come here: cars, EVs, batteries, whatever type they decide to do. We don't know where the breakthroughs are going to be. The marketplace is a lot smarter than it wears. We're going right. to make it more expensive. You figure it out. Let you figure it. It may be ammonia, or hydrogen extracted from extracted from ammonia. Sure. It may be a, a battery breakthrough that no one's aware of. It may be something else that we don't know, which makes me a believer in the marketplace. You make the money, put the money out there. You make you know, you make money at stake if somebody isn't ready to be smart and innovate, which kind of ticks me off about – you talk to national Republicans, they say, well, we know we got a problem. Our solution is innovation. Mm-hmm. And when I look back in history, what I know of is those people that made – those innovators that made huge impact, they weren't out there to do it because they were social justice warriors or something. They wanted to make a lot of money. And when carbon emissions are free, when they're trying to make, you're not going to make a product that competes with free. So you're going to get a lot of innovation, but not until you put a price on carbon that makes people pay. That'll bring innovators out of the ground because they'll find, okay, there's money I can make if I got a better way to do this. And Republicans, as much as that should be the Republican DNA, I th- they I run think, away from that. I think you're right. If there is something that will move the needle, I think that it is a tax of sort of sorts like that. Um, and also deregulation. You know, we are, again, we, nuclear is illegal in Oregon. Yeah. You can't build nuclear power plants in Oregon because it's against the law. Um, so you need to, you need to get rid of the, the things that are holding people the back, obstacles. the regulations that are right. holding people back. And I, I, I think that the devil's in the details a lot of times with these things. I would be curious to see exactly the, you know the type of carbon tax that we that you guys would be proposing. Yeah, um, well, we can simple. talk a little yeah. about it. Yeah, you want to sure. wherever wherever carbon enters the economy, whether whether oil is taken out of the ground, coal is mined, or a tanker or something brings it in right there, the tax is applied there. Mm-hmm. Start fifteen dollars a, a ton, it goes up ten bucks a year in okay. the next twenty years. That's it. That's no place. That's well, no place the tax that's, gets applied. That's okay. That's and then the, you, that's so those the, producers then their cost goes up and they will naturally pass that cost on down the line. And you will, and you'll put a tariff in place where that anything extracted outside the United States then pays that tariff Absolutely. as they're yep. getting as yes. it's coming in. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. so we not we don't have a gas. You don't see a little ticket on your gas when you buy gas. How much? What your tax is? That's that's way back, way earlier in the production line. Mm-hmm. That cost will go on. There's no army of bureaucrats required to apply this to everybody around the country. There's no very little regulation to go on it's just that there's only there's not that many yeah. point sources of fossil fuels that enter the country not that many i mean it's an order of it's less than 2000 yeah it's really small and and you should know the the bill that we were working on uh when i first joined in 2018 it said with the carbon tax you remove all regulation of greenhouse gases mm-hmm. so those go away that was literally part of the bill. That was our handshake to the Republican side. You don't yeah. guys want you don't want the regulation. We agree with you. We want a carbon tax. Can we agree with that? Get rid of the regulation of greenhouse gases. Let us tax carbon. Both people well, win. Another another example of uh, there is a uh, giant lithium mine in or not lithium mine lithium deposit in eastern in Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, and uh, not a, we're not we're not digging it up because it's not allowed. So it's not it's not just 
emissions regulations that I think needs to get fixed. It's all of these little ticky-tack rules that, yeah. that have been placed by state government, local government, federal government. And I mean, these are just the two that I, without researching, knew about was that nuclear is illegal and that there's a giant lithium deposit in eastern Oregon that is not being mined because you it's not allowed. Um, well, and so, so that actually gets on something that I, I was honestly curious for y'all's opinion of as yeah. well, is this is a, you know, this is a the the house is on fire type problem. When your house is on fire, you're not out in in, in the middle of the street and arguing about. Well, you left the gas burner on. Well, you left something in the microwave that shouldn't have been there. Well, you left this light on that you're was 120. Watt. You're putting out the fire, right? Mm-hmm. And ostensibly, when climate change started to first really become an issue, this was one of those things where it's just like, hey, whoa, let's tap the brakes here. We got to kind of get on this. We got to figure this one out. And now it's become politicized in such a sense that Al Gore has has done a movie and won a Nobel Prize on it. Republicans campaign on this ceaselessly. Most Republicans, I think, now admit that, yes, climate change is real, but that government is the problem. Government is not the solution. We need to have more Elon Musk types, and that's that's the way to go through and do it. AOC wants to green the economy, you know, send me money so that I can defeat her bill in Congress and all that. You, you get to a point where it it is as politicized as it is, and Three of the four of us at this table are Republicans, and I'm the first to admit that Republicans <laughs> are are not going to be the ones who are taking the lead on this issue. Republicans are the ones who are going to have to be placated on this issue. But on the left, there's the the Greta Thunberg types, and there's the Green New Deal types, and there's the outlawing of nuclear and lithium types that we've got plenty of here in Oregon that will sign up for bills like that without thinking twice about it. Nobody's even going to read that twice out of committee and it's going to pass with unanimous dem- democratic support down in Salem. What's the best way to to dial down on both sides the level of of rhetoric and fundraising and yeah. you know banging each other over the head with a frying pan kind of thing so that there can actually be a point where we just get to a um, the, the issue that I always come back to was, uh, was the, the Reddit GameStop a couple of years ago. That just, that just happened all of a sudden where something's going on and GameStop is having these wild swings in valuation. People are making money and losing money hand over mm, fist when I you, remember. there's subreddits and everything like that. And AOC and Ted Cruz tweeted out basically exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. And they both took umbrage with what was going on and said, Hey, we need to learn a little bit more about this. And it's, they, Clearly, their communications directors had not talked to each other because we need to figure out what the Democrat side is and the Republican side is so that we can be opposed to each other on this. And they just said the same <laughs> oh thing to each God. other. <laughs> and they and you need to get to a point where we're at the the meme stock Reddit subreddit type thing where it's just like, OK, we just we identify that this is a problem that needs to be solved. We're less concerned about who wins the political points and who comes out looking good on this. And it, it seems at least here in Oregon, it seems like the left is able to score a lot more political points off this than the right is right so i don't know if you got some thoughts but actually i'm, I'm glad you asked this question because i've been pondering this you know how do we kind of get together and uh one of the interactions i had at dorchester was a guy came over and just full of denial you know it's not happening you know it's not us it's in god's hands all the classic arguments you yeah. hear right and and finally, in a moment, it's like, well, wait a second, why'd you come over here? Did you just come over here to kind of frown me? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I came over here because uh, I liked your your nuclear stance. And it's like, oh, well, that's good to know. Well, why do you like that? And he goes, uh, he says, well, we should be using that to to. He, he said, he said, why should we should use nuclear instead of those dirty smokestacks? And it's like, well, why yeah. do you care about the dirty snow smokestacks? He says, well, why should we be breathing all that dirty air? I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah. Jackpot. Yeah. We just came full circle. Jackpot, <laughs> right. It was a good moment for me. And as I look at social media, I, the, 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 it seems like the people who are just like, don't talk to me about climate science. It's like growing. Is there this growing course? Like, I don't want to talk about climate science. But what is not... I don't, I'm not so sure this is my, um, it's a hypothesis. It's like, what if we stock talk about climate and just talked about air pollution? Yeah. And, you know, again, I have a data point of one, yeah. but I feel like a lot of Republicans do care about air pollution. Well, you know? I was thinking about this, um, over, you know, ever between when we set this up and when we, um, 
now, (laughs) you know, been rolling this over in my head of what what to talk about, things to ask. And I think that that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's livability. You talk about clean air, clean water. I mean, a lot of your conservative Republicans live in rural areas. They make their living off the land. Like they get it. Um, it's become so politicized where the, I mean, the cap and trade would have been disastrous to those folks because they, they, it just would have raised their costs exponentially. And it was a, it was a local thing. And so what do you do when prices go up locally? You just ship it in from across the border. Right. So you would have just destroyed it's, all it these leaks, families. It yeah. would have been, it would have been, and that's, that's why the Republicans walked out is because of the amount of harm that would have done to local farmers. Um, and I know the the Democrats in Salem were trying to get this kind of West Coast coalition. They're trying to like, hey, if we do it here, it'll spread, that kind of thing. But in the meantime, you've got these farmers who can't really wait a couple of decades right. for Idaho to come on board. Sort it out. And yeah. sort it out. And so like, anyway. But I think if you focus on livability, I think the, the, the smokestacks, the, you know, clean water, clean air. Um, hey, we don't want congestion in our cities. We don't want cars just spitting out fumes next to your elementary school. Yeah, you know, I think exactly. those are things that do resonate with with conservatives, with Republicans. Um, yeah. I, so, so that, let, let me say, I want to say that. And then the other thing, you know, you might be pleased to know, we just, CCL just was in Washington, D.C. We had our annual lobby conference uh-huh. and we spent two days training and getting ready and then two days of lobbying. And, the, the primary focus for, we did 400 lobby meetings, almost every member of Congress, uh, hmm. and, and some senators office. And uh, the primary message was permit reform. Hmm. And just like what you're talking about, we should be able to get renewables out of the ground when it comes to lithium mm-hmm. and side a, a wind, wind farm, you know, without going, especially the, the, the interstate transmission. Without getting stopped every darn community. Very similar how the natural gas folks like, I want to put in a natural gas line that goes from West Virginia to Virginia. And it always got shut down environmental review yeah. and, 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 you know, and local jurisdictions. Well, we agree on that. Let's get rid of those regular, on both of them, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, uh, there is a strong movement, uh, not only by us, but I think if you follow this in Congress, there's a lot of bipartisan energy behind permit reform. Um, and you know, I think this is a resonating, uh, uh, it's a resonating thing. And I, again, as a centrist, I've always said, I said, the left is too fixated on certain issues. I've always said, if, if the left was smart, they would green light the XL pipeline. They would mm-hmm. green light fracking. They would do all that, say, in exchange for a carbon tax. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know what? You would get your clean air and your climate. Yeah, there would be a time yeah. where those things would pump out fossil fuels, but ultimately carbon tax would win. But they can't get behind that, you know? Mm. It's frustrating, you know? Yeah. So, I, well, another good example, and this is the, the, sorry to cut you off. Uh, the, the, you know, the <laughs> good, on the, Nick. the, uh, the great being, being the enemy of the good, yes. or the perfect oh, being in, in, the, in the enemy of the good. Uh, there was a proposal to have a natural gas pipeline going through Coos Bay. That I remember. Would, that, I would, that would, that uh, would, send natural gas to, to China. Yeah. Uh, we had a guy on the podcast who, um, worked in that, natu- the, the oil and gas industry for a long time. And, I didn't realize this, but natural gas a lot of times is a byproduct when you're drilling for oil. Correct. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, and they, you know, you see these um, flares. These flares. Yes. They're burning it off. I know. They're it. burning off the natural gas because there's nowhere to put it. That's correct. There's no way to harness it and, yes. and send it. And, and it's so a it's, very horrible fuel if you don't burn it off. That's methane. Yeah. The most potent greenhouse mm-hmm. gas floating around out there. Right. Yeah. So if you were able to capture that and, you know, sell it to China, who is building not not just nuclear power plants, but they're building coal. coal. They're exactly. building coal power plants. Um, you know, you can replace those, coal, potentially replace those coal power plants with natural gas, you know, invigorate the Coos Bay community. Cut the, your emissions in cut half. Cut your emissions in half. And America is exactly. very much richer because we sold all this natural gas. But it got killed. I know. I predictably. saw it. I was very disappointed in that. So, yeah. I think it's I think it's an interesting point. Yeah. Allow those things and then put the carbon tax but on be, them. But, yeah, but acknowledge that that there is a market failure. The reason that all these emissions yeah. are causing this environmental damage, that's the market saying – you're not priced right. Yeah. That's what that's going on. We need to price it properly. And that's what a carbon tax starts to do. Yeah. 
So I, I interesting. What a, and at the risk of making this the dunk on climate change legislation, because <laughs> I was about to ask. Him, so I, if, if I'm a Republican, which I mean, I which, which I you am, are, but if sure. if I'm a like you know ardent free market government shouldn't have any place to do anything kind of Republican, I jump in and I say, I don't. I don't care where my power comes from. If I, if I like where it comes from, I'm not turning on twice as many lights when I leave the house in the morning. I, for my job, I can drive one way that's 11 miles and I can drive one way that's 22 miles. I'm not switching to take the 22 mile route just because I got gas at Exxon instead of Shell. I don't care where the power comes from. There is a growing and every, there's an increase in population. There's an increase in, you know, devices. We have an increasing need for power. It, it is increasing at an increasing rate, but at no point will anybody jump in and say, look, I'm just going to start really flipping things on. If I'm a, if I'm a f- completely free market, laissez faire Republican, I say, let's pause the carbon tax. Let's look at unwinding regulations on nuclear we haven't built a nuclear power plant in this country for decades we get to talk about my favorite show chernobyl which is <laughs> which i brought up on the show a number of times which is fantastically well done but everybody points to chernobyl and three mile island i mentioned my dad went to college at penn state he was there when three mile island mm-hmm. happened and he's thanks god that state college pennsylvania is in the middle part of the state east of or west of where the prevailing winds were blowing around harrisburg which were blowing east from three mile island because otherwise my dad would have had two heads and i would have been born in an egg but <laughs> everybody points to those two things and says look we can't do nuclear power and the storage and the yucca mountains in nevada and everything like that right but if we if we just go through and we increase the amount of 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 energy that we're able to draw from nuclear sources we will definitionally decrease the amount of energy that we need from carbon heavy sources like oil or like coal it's the the pie is a hundred percent i'm only i only need a hundred percent of my energy if i get more from sector a i'm going to get less from sector b why don't we start with that and then look at a carbon tax if the problem continues to persist or if we're not meeting the emission standards that we're looking to meet well i can give you a a little answer to that uh it's again it's a market failure if it depends are you going to price those emissions if you're going to put so if you, carbon tax means you're going to make the emissions are going to be free, basically. When no without car, when no without carbon tax, emissions are going to be free. Nuclear can't compete. It's too you're, you're, yeah. a, you're a utility. Let me give you the guy to the numbers. You're a utility executive right now, and you got a big. You need some big baseload power. You what you got two choices right now? Do I put a great big natural gas plant in for one and a half billion dollars that gets done in two years, or do I spend fifteen billion dollars minimum and take ten years to build a nuke plant? Mm-hmm. The only way. That pans out is if the cost of the fuel is so much more with gas. There's no way nuclear nuclear for regulation, and I'm not. I don't mean nuclear doesn't require regulations. It, it's yeah. The whole nuclear industry knows that if they have another Fukushima anywhere, anywhere in the world, they're dead. Mm-hmm. They so they're they're not saying get rid of the regulation. They're trying to somehow make it smaller. But the cost right now without a carbon tax, you're not going to see that. What you just saw nuclear ain't going to happen. Dead economically, not, compared to natural gas. No one is going to open that conversation. Well, I would push back a little bit on that. I mean, you have New Scale here in Oregon who is building nuclear reactors the size of shipping containers. And I don't know how much they cost or how far along they are on developing them, but something like that that you can just drop somewhere and produces enough you know, power for 10 years and then shuts itself off with no... I mean, something like that would be... That, that might fix the issue that you guys are talking if about. It, if New Scale could make theirs at scale to be competitive natural gas... I think the entire world would be extremely shocked. Well, we're banning nuclear gas in in, uh, in Eugene also, so oh, it's natural, be, it's gas. Get natural gas. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 the analysis I've read requires say that nuclear. There's nothing you can do with more nuclear than make a carbon tax. Now, can hmm. they do it without? I think the last twenty years are evidence that no. And falling at natural gas prices, New Scale right now has only one consortium of buyers in the United States wanting hmm. to buy that, put their money down, and there every couple of years they get cold feet. Are they all going to sign up and do it or not? Most of their compet- most of their business they're looking at is outside the United States. Mm-hmm. So they're by no means a slam dunk. Not at all. So that would be my argument to say. If you don't do a carbon tax, you are, you are not going to – you're not going to see nuclear. You're going to probably see a lot more wind, uh, some solar, but you're not going to get base, baseline power. You're going to have a lot more natural gas. The, the, other, the other challenge with not doing the carbon tax is that, you know, it's, co- it's economy-wide. When you put that tax – 
then anywhere that stuff is going to th- show up in the in the in the in the ec- economy, that price is there. Everyone's noticing it, you know. And then you know, again, you have a market reaction, consumers' reaction, investors' react. Everyone is talking now for this properly priced, you know, uh, uh, good. Um, you don't get that unless you put a tax on carbon. There's no mechanism that shows the economy that you're damaging the environment in an incremental ma- manner every time you emit a ton of, 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 of CO2. So I will say this, you know, I, I've, I've, I've been thinking through, you know, if we can just kind of, you know, play game here. I do worry about permit reform because it gets fought on the left and the right. You have nim- mm-hmm. NIMBYs are mm-hmm. not to one party. You have NIMBYs who are super conservative yeah, and super liberal. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I could see them fighting this permit reform to the grave, you know. But if you think about it, if you play that out, you go, okay, if we can't get the permit reform, then we can't connect our renewables to the states that don't have the renewables across these interstate transmission lines. So how do we get to, to, to net zero? Well, you know what you got to do? You got to eliminate all your coal plants and put nuclear plants there. That that, yeah. that infrastructure exists. You don't have to rebuild it. And, you know, to the credit of uh, the Department of Energy and, and, and the Gates Foundation, the, 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 the nuclear plant building being built right is in Wyoming at an old coal plant, you know, mm. which I'm loving. You know, I'm so excited for that. And it's like a, a sodium. It's got a strange new tech, stranger, different technology. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, that might be where this ends up. If you can't win this permit challenge, that's what I envision. You know, we, we got to get our emissions down some way. You just get rid of all your fossil fuels and you put nuclear plants there. I think your, your NIMBY comment is, is valid. I, um, the whole idea of new scale and those smaller modular reactors is you put them a lot more of them throughout your, your area, your cities or whatever. But if you have people who don't want a nuclear power plant, you know, down the street, <laughs> they're going to fight that tooth and nail. They are. And so, like, I think you get over, and I, I don't have the numbers of this memorized, but the U.S. Navy's been using nuclear power plants on right. their submarines, on yeah. their aircraft carriers. Oh, yeah. Those are small. Those don't cost $15 billion to, I mean, maybe the aircraft carrier does, but, um, you know, submarines are not that big, and they're, car- they're fueled by a nuclear reactor. You know, we have the technology to make these things smaller, more module, put many of them around where it doesn't take 10 years and $15 billion and I don't know, maybe the fact that they're smaller, they cost more, and the Navy can spend defense money. And that might be. So they, I, I, don't, I don't know the, the, maybe. the numbers on it. That's but. New, this is, uh, the people at Schlumberge who bought New Scale a few years ago, the oil pipeline company, I think yeah. Schlumberge, they put their faith in it too. They weren't banking on a carbon tax. Yeah. They're an oil supplies company. They're thinking we can get this. It's worth a shot. Maybe I they can get can, it price. If we can change public perception of nuclear, I think that you you open the door for these more smaller module modular um power plants that are hopefully more cost effective than building this giant yeah. thing yeah. like in the Simpsons. The, the other thing that I think it, it, when economists have modeled out this this uh this progression of of transition from fossil fuel based to you know uh, non-emitting energy systems what they tell us and you know you go to these trainings like if we can get our carbon tax you're still going to have coal plants going you're still going to have natural gas but it's gonna, they're going to start to feel that pinch. Mm-hmm. And what they'll tell you is that coal will have a much shorter you know, lifespan if you get a carbon tax because it's so carbon intensive. Mm-hmm. But natural gas, what they anticipate is that a lot of them are going to stay open, but they're going to do uh, carbon capture and sequestration where they mm-hmm. grab that carbon right at the at a point of emission and it doesn't get, get put out in the atmosphere. And again, as someone who's agnostic, I just want my emissions down, mm-hmm. fine by me. The fact that I'm from Texas and I got a lot of friends who work in the oil and gas industry, you know, I love them to death, you know. I would love them to be able to keep their job and then we can, you know, get our emissions down and, oh, by the way, not pollute our air, you know. I, I, lo- I think so, that natural gas is a great stepping stone between coal and nuclear right. and other, and other green energy. Be. Yeah. I think it's, it's, again, it's already out there. It is a byproduct of there's there's more natural gas being produced than there is that we can use it's super abundant and yet we it's cheap we have you know? you know people on the left who are fighting this thing i know here, especially here in I oregon know. which yeah. is baffles me they've watched too many matt damon films you know? <laughs> <laughs> what you made i love your comment offhand right there the simpsons yeah. why is nuclear have a bad name i I'm honest to god most people 
I believe Homer Simpson's done as much than <laughs> <laughs> for for thirty years of nuclear policy. That, that character and that is that's it. That's the level of of. Uh, yeah. You know the number one demographic against nuclear power plants? What's that? Is women who were in childbearing years around the time of Three Mile Island. Interesting. Like nationwide. Hmm. That, they go through over the years. That is the number one with the biggest negative, hmm. biggest drop against nuclear. Huh. It's the fear factor. No question. I mean, there's some portions of the population that are, it's very. And I remember my, I grew up out, I grew up near Hanford. Yeah. And uh, I have family on the other side of Spokane. A cousin of mine passed away from cancer. And his, another cousin of mine swears to this day, by God, he died because he was downwind from Hanford. Hmm. So that fear factor is real, is absolutely real. And the industry, I believe there's rational, you can address all the arguments against it. The one, I think people sit down, they can address it. The one that you can't, unless you're without a carbon tax, is economic. It's cost hmm. of capital and the carbon tax is it. You know, a carbon tax isn't something formulated out of nowhere. It's not like, well, let's come up with some art, some device. Let's have some magic thing that makes it more expensive. It's because it's, that's why the Republican me likes it. It's mm-hmm. because it goes into the category, which is why I am a Republican, ultimately, because it all ultimately boils down to individual responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, I am responsible for my emissions. I, every Sunday night, I put our garbage piles out there, our bins out there, 29 bucks a month, somebody hauls it away. I'd rather not pay for the waste I produce. I'd rather, I'd rather just, but I think my neighbors might object if I dump my garbage <laughs> in the street. So I pay, I realize it's my share, I got to do it. There is no such mechanism for emissions that are right now that are raising the CO2 level on our planet. And if someone disagrees there, they should look a little in atmospheric sciences. There is, it is free. We are doing, and it's, it's a free ride for everybody. And I guess that offends the Republican in me. And yeah. why the Republican Party hasn't risen to that mantle of individual responsibility. By God, this is our problem. We need to fix this. I do not know. Well, I think it, it's just the aversion to taxes. I mean, that was kind of my, or initial and I've and I've started out very much like anti like yeah whatever um, on this and I've I've sort of come around not 100 percent but getting there on the carbon tax thing but it's it's the idea of a tax of the idea of I'm gonna have to pay more for the things that I use I would rather not pay more for the things that I use um, it, that that's kind of the the version which is very like surface level yeah the party I, of the free lunch Republicans who who thought it. You know? <laughs> If, if I could, and, and you know, I, I, I'm, we're, this isn't a sell pitch for CCL, I, yeah. just to be clear. Uh, we're, we're just happy to talk about climate and, you know, and how, where there's solutions that Republicans and Democrats can agree on. But, you know, while the carbon tax is kind of the coup de grace, that's like our holy grail. As I just mentioned, this last conference, we, we sent a thousand volunteers to DC. We didn't talk about a carbon tax. We talked about permit reform. Hmm. Because yeah. we know there's some bipartisan interest in that. We also talked about the carbon border adjustment mechanism without a carbon tax. Hmm. I don't know if you know that, but there's a senator from North Dakota, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. Lots of Republican senators very much want a carbon border adjustment without the carbon tax. Hmm. And, and CCL's like, great, we'll start there, you know, yeah. and, 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 and make us more competitive against China, who has a dirtier industrial base than we are. Where, where's what's and, and CCL's like we like that too you know so we're trying to find these angles that we can agree on to move the ball you know right. and um, I that's I one, that. that's Ooh, one of the reasons I like uh, CCL we're not you know yeah. we're not purists you know we're very much good getting, is better getting, than perfect you know yes, one yeah. step at a time incremental let's move the ball i like that here here well we are running out of time and so we gave you guys a bit of a heads up before we started but one of the things we like to ask our guests uh before we end is who is your favorite republican and so you guys have somebody picked out do they have to be in office right now they do not living dead whomever you like do they oh. have to be elected officials no okay i'll name two okay uh retired uh, uh bob inglis former congressman from south carolina Okay. Anybody remotely interested in this subject and Republicans should look up Republic EN, his organization. Bob is in the most conservative part of the most district, the most conservative state in the union, South Carolina. And about 2015, he said, we got to do something about carbon tax. And he got um, primaried and mm. gone. And Bob is set up now Republic EN. He tells this great story. He's got a lot of guts and he goes out there and does that. And he, he gives a, he's my favorite for that. Good. Republic EN. And the other one would be George Will. 
because hey. that's, if I could write half as good as that man could, uh, I wouldn't be an engineer. Right? <laughs> he is fantastic. His baseball book, Men at Work, is a is a thumping good read if you're a baseball fan. I am, but I haven't read that one. There you go. Well, a couple of his, but not that one. That's my answer. Hmm. Okay. Boy, this is tough. Uh, from a climate <laughs> perspective, I love Bob Inglis. Um but he's not in office right now, so I'm going to give my two cents to Mitt Romney, hey. uh, who's talked quite a bit about a carbon tax in recent hearings, like a month ago. You know, um, he did a brilliant pitch on uh, not only a carbon tax, but you know the financial challenges we're facing as a nation, mm-hmm. and he nailed both of them so well. And I actually put that on my Facebook page. I was so impressed by cool. the way he delivered. But I will say, from a non Climate thing, uh, Liz Cheney. I'm just, I was so yeah. impressed mm. by the leadership she did during those January 6 hearings. And as someone from the army, you know, yeah. who, who took an oath to defend our constitution, you know, what happened on January 6 was the most embarrassing day of my life, you mm. know. And uh, she recognized that and took the folks to task. And I, you know, I praise her to, you know, Good. Forever for no, that. Hopefully, good. our next podcast guest is changing. She's not doing anything these days. So, <laughs> well, I I think that there are a lot of Republican leaders who are who are starting to come around. You know, it's going to take a little bit of, of time, but somebody who I follow relatively closely is uh, Congressman Dan Sh- Crenshaw, hmm. um, and From he went East to Texas. yeah, he used yeah, to. he went to um, COP twenty six to to talk. Did he? Yeah, wow. he went, and uh, you know he he because he recognizes that there's a problem, you know, I mean, he may not agree with us or you or anybody on the exact nuts and bolts of it, but he recognizes there's a problem enough to go to the conference and, and start having the conversation. So, and Houston is becoming like a renewable energy hotspot. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot, they know their energy down there. Hmm. So that's his district. I got friends who who, who voted for him. He's a solid guy. Cool. Uh, so let's let's do it. You know? All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming and taking the time. Who's yours? We appreciate. It. Oh, I, I think I've said oh. the show. Well, they've already said. <laughs> yeah. Everyone oh. knows you oh. listen to this great podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's which. Yeah, which you go back and you listen to all the other episodes. Of our fans. Uh, mine, I think I'd okay. go with. I think I've said Bob Dole before. Mm. Or no, 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 not Bob. Uh, Bob uh, Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp. Mm. Okay. Uh, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Also happened to be a United States Congressman nominee for Vice President. Um. He's a fun one. Just a couple other good ones here in cool. Oregon. I guess we'll go with. I'll say Christine Drazen. Just recently. Hey, you want to see yeah. some? Christine Drazen made a testimony on the House Res- or Senate Joint Resolution Five or SEM Five. Mm-hmm. We've got on our website. Christine Drazen's got some guts on this issue. And we saw her at Dorchester. I said, you know, yeah, you took a lot of guts to say what you said, and she said, no, it didn't. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> so she endorsed I, I, yeah. carbon fee and dividend. Absolutely. VSSJM5. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very, Interesting. very impressive move. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we go, what website can we uh, learn more about? You guys want to pitch something? So it's called citizensclimate.org is our group. Republican. Is that Republican.org? I believe so. Republican.org. Org or you can follow them on YouTube as well. Okay. I, I'd go watch them as YouTube videos. They are so inspirational. Regardless, again, I'm, I'm an independent, yeah. but I love English. The way he talks about this issue is very moving. Great. Yeah. Well, again, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. And listeners, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.